your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks a flow, and touchdown of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Welcome in, Saints fans, for another edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm WWL Saints sideline reporter Steve Geller, along with WWL and Odyssey Sports digital producer Jeff Nowak. We just wrapped up another session with the Saints training camp today, and a lot to talk to, obviously, with Trevor Penning and uh, the return of Michael Thomas to team drills. We've got a sighting of the Honey Badger And we'll be talking about some guys that are under the radar who we think are going to make this team. But one of the catches from Jeff threw at me was they couldn't have been on the team from last year. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, the under the radar names that made the team last year aren't exactly exciting to talk about this year. But yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk a lot about Trevor Penning. You know, we're going to have a news and notes segment. We usually lead off with that. But I think what happened with Trevor Penning today in the last two days is so notable that we really want to get into it right off the bat, which is, and Steve, you were, you were there alongside me for all three of these. It has now been three consecutive days of practice that Trevor Penning has gotten into uh, whatever you want to call it, a pushing match, a shoving match with a Saints defensive player. On Monday, it was Peyton Turner, who that was more of a kind of blows traded type uh, situation. It came towards the end of practice. There. Peyton Turner clearly took offense to something Trevor did. You know, it's really tough to see what's going on in the in the skirmish in the middle because, you know, this isn't a broadcast. We're watching from the sideline. We don't really have any real footage to go back and, and review. Um, but they they were not happy with each other. And we actually haven't seen Peyton Turner since that altercation. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yesterday, it was Trevor and JT Gray. JT was coming in on a blitz, and Trevor kind of finished him off. He's a guy who, you know, this the phrase – they plays to the echo of the whistle. Well, Trevor plays to the echo of the echo of the whistle. And it's clearly rubbing some teammates the wrong way. So JT Gray, you know, they kind of like squared up and it was kind of funny. There is footage of that. JT kind of squares up and then it's like in real time, he remembers, oh yeah, you know, I might be a tough person, but it's hard to out tough six, seven, 320 pounds. And he can kind of be like, yeah, let's, let's back off of this. But then today, the one that really kind of got out of hand toward the end of practice and, and Steve, you can vouch for this. You know, we were all just kind of working to the other end of the field because they were actually doing their team drills the opposite direction from the way they had been. And this was the longest practice we'd had to this point. And, you know, it was one of the final reps. And all of a sudden you see Trevor and just kind of getting thrown across the formation from the left side. You see just blows being thrown. And all of a sudden it, it was about equivalent to a benches clearing brawl, uh, if you will. Like everyone kind of kind of rushed in and it was just this kind of pile in the middle of field. And the funny part was when Bradley Roby just came jogging in and like hopped on the back of, I don't know if it was Kalik Washington or Gerald Hawkins, but uh, it wasn't like a, he, he was joking. He's kind of like hopped up there and it was very funny. But then we see Trevor Penning and Malcolm Roach, the defensive tackle uh, walking off the field. They were ejected from practice. I've never yeah, seen that happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's significant when it, Fights happen in training camp, but once people start missing reps because of fights, that's when, you know, it's becoming a distraction. It's impacting impacting what you're trying to do. And I think that was something that obviously Dennis Hallen felt he had to do today, being the third consecutive day of a little skirmish breaking out, especially involving the same guy. Oh, and yeah, and he was fed up. We heard him. It was very quiet in the building as we were walking over to kind of get ready for interviews. And, you know, we heard him. I heard at one point he was like, you know, I was like, what does it say on your resume? <laughs> does it, and it's like, if, does it say something that means you should be talking? <laughs> he was fed up. You know, he's, he's a no nonsense guy. And I think throughout the first week of practice, we've kind of seen like kind of the changing of regimes. I think he's a little more laid back than Sean was early in his career. But by the end, he was his reputation as kind of an authoritarian coach you know, was enough that it kind of kept people in line because they knew 
what the status quo was. And I think with a new coach, you're kind of seeing him uh, kind of lay down the gauntlet here of, okay, no, this isn't going to fly. And yeah, I mean, sending a rookie off from practice is not not what you want to be on week two at training camp. So it's going to be something that uh, we have to address. And we have we have some audio here um, from DA. Yeah, we don't have time for that, um, you know. And so, um, you know, I sent two guys in today, and uh, we got to get our work done. So we got to learn. We got to learn as a team how to compete, and how to play, and how to practice. All right and push ourselves to the limit, but yet not take it over the edge. But no, so yeah, DA is basically saying, you know, that's not gonna fly. You know, we, we can't be spending time in practice accounting for just tomfoolery, if you will. You know, that's just, it's not what he needs to be dealing with as you're trying to, you know, get rookies up to speed, kind of assess what you have on the defensive side of the ball. And, but that's what we've been talking about the last three days. Um, and, you know, I think, to some extent, it's Trevor Penning's reputation. It's we knew this. We've talked about this extensively. He has a reputation for kind of getting under people's skin, and you know, it's uh, now that we've seen it in practice, it's a little more distracting than I expected it to be. Yeah, the, hearing all the scattering reports of how he is a nasty player inside, like you said, playing through the echo of the whistle. I'm just wondering what what exactly is going on that's go- making these the pl- other players react this way on the team as well because the first fight, the first day, number one, uh, Peyton Turner was swinging. There were definitely uh, wasn't wasn't really Penning being the aggressor going after Turner in that skirmish, and I'm just curious too to find out. What exactly happened with Peyton Turner now? Is it something where he regressed in his uh, recovery from that shoulder injury or when he had those swings hitting a helmet, a padded guardian shielded helmet? Did he do something to his hand where now that's an issue? Because I thought for sure we would see him back today and I'd see that hand wrapped up on the sideline, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, you hope it's nothing serious, uh, but yeah, it would be it would be kind of a. And, but I think like, the fact that we even have to consider, oh, well, maybe he hurt his hand because Trevor Penning got him so riled up that he punched him. You know, that's that's a scenario that's not outlandish, and it would all it would kind of uh, drive home this kind of point of you don't want to be setting up situations where your teammates get themselves hurt. You know, and I think that's when a teammate will take will take offense to how you are playing is when they feel like, okay, we're teammates. This is practice. You're putting me in a situation where I could get hurt. You know, you're blocking me into the turf when you don't have to be. And I think like, that's what it was with JT gray yesterday. But again, so we've heard from Trevor, we've heard from JT gray. And in both cases, those guys indicated that there's really no bad blood here. So let's, this is what we heard from Trevor. It's part of my game. I think, I mean, it's it's just how I am as a player, but you know I'm obviously out there working technique. I'm trying to get better, um, you know, at the technique of the game and getting getting the blocks done, and then you know the finishing ability. That's that's what I pride myself in, and that's always going to be part of my games. It's football. We're competing. I mean, it's it's a tough game for tough people. You got to be able to take that. Um, I mean, there's no bad blood between us. I mean, it's, we're just competitors competing. Yeah, and so that's that's what he said, and. And I believe him, you know, I think that he's, you know, I am also the type of person that can get really heated when I'm playing sports. Right. And I've always kind of felt like, you know, being, being kind of aggressive and getting into it with an opponent is part of the game. It's part of how everything works. But the second you leave the lines of the field, you know, it's over, you know, that was always my thing. Like I've gotten like nearly into fights on a basketball court, but then, you know, the whistle blows, the game's over, and I'm over dapping the guy up on the sideline, being like, yeah, my bad. I got a little too heated there. You know, and that's how sports is, I think, to some extent. You have to be able to, to disassociate what's happening on the field with what's happening on the sideline, and you can't kind of hold grudges. But the longer this continues to go on, um, you have to start wondering if that's going to be the case because you don't want your teammates to resent you. Well, I think the big thing, too, with Dennis Allen today was the fact that those previous two incidences were really just – one-on-one players going at it and it seemed to escalate more into a team scenario today where the entire offensive line started getting involved in the offense and then the defense is there backing up their side as well 
And that's, you know, you, you don't want this huge melee breaking out between your offense and defense uh, just because guys are, are playing hard and being aggressive and those emotions. Yeah. They get high when you're in the heat of the battle. I, I just think that today's getting sent to the locker room should definitely send a message to Penning and hopefully that, that speech afterwards with the rest of the team uh, guesses that gets that message through as well. But the last thing I want to see is him being less aggressive on the field. I mean, that's one of the reasons they brought this guy in for that nastiness. Let's just kind of find a way to ease it back with your own teammates, I guess. Yeah. And I was talking to someone and it was like, well, why is this an issue this week when it wasn't an issue last week? I think so. Part of it is that they put pads on on Monday. And I think that allowed Trevor to kind of get into, get into his rhythm a little bit more. But I also think to some extent, the issue has become Trevor's starting to win reps and in the first couple of days of practice, I think he was having hard. He was getting blown by a couple of times. You know, he wasn't, I think he's, he's a rookie, right? So he wasn't asserting himself as well as he probably needed to be. And then the last couple of days, I have actually, you know, I think we've seen him get a little more confident and actually start winning, winning these reps. And you can't, you can't block someone uh, to the echo of the echo of the whistle, unless you are still blocking them when the whistle sounds right. So, and I think that's, that's part of it. You know, we didn't see it last week because I think he was getting used to everything and the def- the defense had a bit of an advantage. But I think he has come forward a little bit this week, which is why it's annoying to kind of have to be talking about what the antics and not the play, because I think he has actually taken a step forward and closed that gap with James Hurst a little bit. I still think James Hurst is pretty pretty well seated to be the week one starter. But, you know, James Hurst had a couple iffy moments today. He false started on one rep. And, you know, Trevor false started on a rep yesterday, so he's he's right there too. Back but to back, and then had to do push-ups. Did they make him do push-ups? I didn't even see yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I think it's just a given when you know you mess up, you better get down and, and start start doing them. Interesting. Um, but here's one more clip. We uh, talked to JT Gray today. As we said, he had that uh, dust-up with with Trevor yesterday. And here's here's what he had to say. Uh, just that. two competitive guys going at it, um, just giving extreme effort and, you know what I'm saying, just going out there and holding the standard of the Saints football. Is that the kind of thing that just happens, or is that a problem? No, uh, it's just, you know, you got those things that happen. It happens every time, all the time in football. You know, it's just a football thing. Is there something about Trevor that makes that more likely to happen? You know what I mean? Is there something about him? Uh, you know, he's an aggressive guy, good old lineman coming in, um, trying, you know what I'm saying, going to be known, and he's making his, he's putting his um, name out there right now. Yeah, and so, I mean, you're, that's what, these are the answers you're going to hear, right? They're going to say, you know, football's a, it's a man's game played by men. You know, it's a tough game for tough people, and these things happen. Now, I don't disagree with that. I think that that is the correct approach and the correct statement and how you should go about your day-to-day as a professional football player in the National Football League. That said, three consecutive days, two of which were in pads, one of which was unpadded, two of which were inside, so the heat's not a factor. You're not you're not dealing with, you know what I mean? Like, you're out in the sun for two hours, and then you start getting into it, and I think the tempers flare a little easier. Sure, you're a lot crankier. Yeah, right. These were inside, this was air conditioned. There's there's no I think there was a long practice today, but it wasn't super intense. And so I think you do need to start thinking about how you can dial it back. And and this was something we talked about in the draft. This was something we talked about, you know, as they were looking at prospects, as we were talking about Trevor Penning as a potential first round pick. You know, that that mean streak, it can it can be a help and it can be a hindrance. And I think we have seen how it can be a hindrance today because it's now not a question of, okay, how is the first round pick progressing? How has he improved from day one to day seven? It's will this become an issue in the locker room? And, and that's not what you wanted. So DA said that, you know, we heard DA addressing the players on the field. He said he was going to address it with Malcolm and Trevor afterward. And, you know, It'll be interesting to see how how this all kind of plays going forward. Yeah, and you mentioned he doesn't want that any animosity spilling into the locker room between the guys, obviously. And also, the, their time is valuable on the field, and you don't want wasted wasted rep time for breaking up these little incidents that have been occurring now consistently. And it's like you said, you, you can have these 
outbreaks. It's not a bad thing for a team to to be physical and and getting after it. Three days in a row does seem a little excessive, but um, I, I like what Allen did today. Sent both guys to the locker room, had that cooling off period for them, and then sat the team down after practice and basically laid it out, saying there there ain't no room for this. We we gotta we have football issues to take care of. This is not what you're here for. We're not doing MMA or anything. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many practices, right? Practice time is limited. They play a preseason game in, what, 10 days? Yeah, I do love right here uh, Austin Kloska uh, telling us, excited to see Trevor in joint practice with Green Bay. That is something, just joint practices in general, looking forward to seeing. But, yeah, seeing how Penning uh, takes on the Green Bay offensive line and their reaction will be a lot of fun. But but this is a good point because we're talking about this in the frame in the framework of okay he's going against his teammates and they are getting angry that he is blocking them like their opponents you know what I mean because when we get into those joint practices you know obviously you still don't want to go full in a, in a practice even if it's against another team but that kind of mean streak I think would be applauded right if Trevor Penning was playing the Green Bay Packers in a game. And he got the defensive end so riled up that he took a swing at him. We would all be clapping and saying, great job, Trevor. You have given us an advantage the same way that CJ is applauded for getting two Bears wide receivers kicked out in key moments, right? We got instigators on both sides. I love it. Yeah, but and that's a funny thing, too, because we talked to Eric McCoy and he was asked, you know, is Trevor kind of the CJ of the offense? Right. <laughs> and he makes a good point, which is no, because the positions they play are so different. CJ is not allowed to touch the people he's covering. (laughs) So he has to do it verbally and he has to kind of plant that seed verbally. Trevor plays a position where, you know, before the draft, one of the, I think he was being interviewed. He might've been David deal. And they asked, what is your favorite thing about playing offensive tackle? And it was being able to legally assault the person across from me, which made everyone eyes just bold. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's like, you know, that's, that's where you say, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's great. Uh, channeled in the right way and against the right people. And at this point we have too much seen that channeled against teammates. And there's, there's gotta be a middle ground. There's there's gotta be. I can only Um, imagine that next, next week in green Bay, it's only going to be worse because they all, everybody knows obviously this guy's reputation and will certainly try to be push everyone's buttons on the same side. Yeah. And they have the Texans before that. I think that's what you meant next week in Houston. Well, they're going to they just have the game in Houston next week. That's right. The week after I'm getting then they, Yeah. Then they go and have the joint. Then practice. they have those joint practice sessions, right? Green Bay. And I think who, who's the third preseason game. They're home against Jacksonville. No, let me look it up. Inside black and gold knows your preseason schedule. Inside black and gold. We Google the answers. Uh, it's against <laughs> the chargers. They're hosting the chargers. That's right. Uh, that's right. The first two preseason games are on the road. And then the third one is against the chargers. And yeah, so by the time we get into those joint practices, uh, hopefully the this issue is not something we even talk about. And we can then kind of talk about, man, he is manhandling these Green Bay Packers uh, defensive linemen. Good on him. Right. He Winston made them so mad that they wanted to punch him. That's it. That's it. Anyway. So we've got, we've gone really far into this. Um, was there anything you wanted to add, Steve, before we move on? No, just that I, I really, this is not a negative to me at all. I know that there's that perception of being the disruptor or someone who is uh, causing angst amongst your teammates. But uh, all in all, so far, I think everybody realizes that this is just part of the dude's game on the field. And he does not have that same persona off of it. No, no. He's very much like a gentle giant when you speak to him as a, as just a person in the, you know, off the field. And I think that's funny with a lot of guys. You see that too. It's like, there, it's you. You clock it in for work. You become this different person on the field, and then off of it, you know, you're back to being quote unquote normal mode. I think it's also true of putting the pads on for Trevor, because <laughs> I think the second those pads came on, he became a different person, and and not in a bad way. But like I said, I think he has been a much better blocker uh, in the last few days than I saw in week one, than I saw in minicamp, and you know, I think it's just that physicality that kind of makes up the gap of, okay, he's a kid coming out of Northern Iowa. He went to a small school. He's behind on the technique curve. 
and he's he's going to have he's going to make up for that with the physicality and you know getting into guys and being able to punch and and get their chest and that's not something you can do without pads on it's something you can do with pads on and it's clearly something that um he's uh he's not making any friends with no testing the limits for sure but all right, we're going to move on. We're going to close out this segment. Remember to, to subscribe wherever you get your podcast in order to give us a review and a rating. Five stars. I like those. Five stars are great. Um, you can follow Steve and myself on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak and at Steve Geller WWL. And, yeah, stick around. We're going to hit on Tyron Matthew, Mike Thomas, and a bunch of other news and notes from today's practice. second segment of inside black and gold some important arrivals and uh, participants in today's practice joining me wwl saint sideline reporter steve geller is wwl and odyssey sports digital producer jeff nowak and jeff it was we got the news earlier this morning we saw on twitter from the uh advocates jeff duncan was the first to put it out that taran matthew was indeed back at Saints practice today, and it's a, it's definitely been a long time coming. He had the excused absence for personal reasons, but man, oh man, the speculation just kept, continued to grow and grow with the more days he missed, and it's just something that's a tough situation when you know someone is dealing with a family issue that they obviously it, – it's something important that they're not at their main important job for, but yet everyone's starting to question – is he retiring? Is uh, Teran Matthew not is thinking about not being on the Saints team anymore? Looking at his Twitter accounts, Instagrams, checking out pictures to see what was scrubbed from his account, supposedly. And it just gets a little ugly. Yeah, that is my least favorite part of, of social media is this like trying to be, well, you know, the social sleuthing of, you know, oh, well, he did this. What does that mean? It's like, Stop, stop, stop. Right, I was stop. saying when we start looking at deleted pictures as as news, that's a problem. Right. That That's what happens when no information is out there, right? And it's one of the things that I think DA has done a much better job of in terms of like when the media asks a question, he gives them the answer so that the answer is out there. And like with Taysom Hill for as, as a perfect example, he's missed the last four days of practice. We know that it is not his foot. Right. So we don't have to wonder, oh, maybe his list Frank injuries flared up again and we're dealing with that. No, he has a rib thing. So it's like that's the type of thing that when you don't have that information, rumors get started and exactly. they start moving around. And then I, I on the last episode, I tried to try to walk everyone back from the cliff because that's a good way to alienate a player as he's away from the team dealing with stuff. The rumor is he was out in Kansas City um, and yeah, you're out here like, oh, he deleted all of his Saints photos off Instagram. Well, he must be abandoning the team. He wasn't abandoning the team. He wants to be here. He signed here. He likes it here. This is home. Um, and But yeah, so DA said that he got in last night. DA met him at the hotel. I don't know where he's staying. Apparently, he's staying at a hotel. Um, you know, they, they, they got to see each other. I got a spare cool. room Honey Badger could have for sure. It is interesting. that he, I, I found it interesting <laughs> that he's staying at a hotel because... He has so much infrastructure. He has so much like familial infrastructure here. You'd yeah, think he right. Would, he would have somewhere he could stay that wasn't a hotel, but he's staying at a hotel. Um, anyway, so we saw him at practice, and DA talked about it for a bit. Let's. This, here's what he had to say. Let's. I love having him back. It was great to see him last night. Got in last night. Um, had a chance to visit with him at the hotel. Um, seems to be in really good spirits. He's anxious to kind of get back here and get started. We'll go through a little bit of a ramp up period with him. You know, kind of let him get his feet up under him. But, uh, uh, man, to have a, a, a player of his, you know, decorated ability back in the building is a positive. So, you know, when D.A., uh, what I'm learning about D.A. as a coach and about this new training staff is when they say ramp up, they are not messing around. They no, mean not it. at all. You are not going to just see him thrown back into drills. <laughs> um, we didn't today. We saw him going through the walkthrough. He was in uniform. He was going through the walkthrough. He did the stretches, that whole thing, but he was not in any of the reps, any of the live reps. And that's, we, we've seen that, you know, we've, we've really seen them 
take a very cautious approach when it comes to players coming back from injuries, right? And, and this obviously isn't an injury. This is only conditioning. But apparently Marcus Davenport is dealing with conditioning. We haven't seen him on the practice field. Pete Werner, you know, spent four or five days out working on the side, and now he's finally back starting to get worked in team drills. Mike Thomas was out there on day one, and the other bit of news today is this is the first time that we've seen him worked in a seven-on-sevens. So when they say Tyron Matthew, and we'll get into more about Mike in a second, when they say Tyron Matthew is going to have a ramp-up process, I believe it. Yeah, and we, we've we've seen that, like you said, with all these players that have been dealing with injuries. And I, I'm wondering if it it's really the it's how the Saints are operating or is it part of the new kinder, gentler NFL, the NFL PA on, on some of the rules on, on, on getting these guys back? Uh, whatever the case is, though, uh, we understand with Torian Matthew, he's a, the guy is a veteran, uh, proven uh, all around in the NFL. So him being out that time, obviously, to start training camp wasn't ideal, but he's really, in the grand scheme of things, not that far behind where this team is right now. Yeah, if he wasn't at OTAs, I would be a little more concerned, but he was. Sure. He participated in OTAs. He participated fully in the minicamp. So, you know, realistically, we're talking about seven days. We're talking about one week, right? Camp started on last Wednesday, and he got here on this Wednesday. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. Thankfully, it was wrapped up sooner rather than later because I think the further, the closer you get to the first preseason game, the more you start to worry about, okay, is he missing important install information? Are we, are we going to have early season struggles because he, his and Marcus Mays, his and PJ Williams, his and Justin Evans, whoever is out there, is their communication not up to snuff? Um, you know, I think that that's where you would start to get a little more worried. But we know what to expect from Tyron when he's out there. If there was any player that you could say, okay, he's going to miss a week, but we'll be fine. I think it's, it's probably Tyron, you know, because we know what to, I mean, he's the top rated safety in Madden, which I was surprised by. Um, but, you know, it's not because he's not good just because he's, you know, a 10 year NFL veteran, but you know, there's a lot of respect around the league and in league circles for this guy. And um, I'm just glad that everything is, is fine enough that he was able to return because, you know, he wants to be here. That's the thing that was bugging me about the whole Instagram uh, analysis thing is like, I've talked exactly, to him in person. Yeah. He is very excited to be a member of the New Orleans Saints. He is very excited to be out at training camp. He never went to training camp as a kid in New Orleans, uh, which I found interesting. But he was always a, play, a guy who he says liked to play it. He didn't like he liked to play football. He wasn't huge on watching football. Yeah, he, um, he had mentioned that wearing the black and gold was a dream come true for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> he's very excited about it. He, he's not I'm sure just, it was all of just a sudden as, stepping away. I'm sure it was just as difficult for him. Uh, I'm sure, I, okay, more difficult for him to not be here than it was for, for the fans to try to wonder where he was. So I think the, I think the real deal is that Paulson Adebo has been stealing all these uh, headlines from the secondary, and he's like, I got to get back in the mix. Yep, we got Derek. Hey, fam, don't forget to hit the like button. Almost 40 people in here with only a few likes. Who that? I agree. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. And I do appreciate everyone watching. Uh, for those on for those on listening to the podcast version of this, we are simulcasting this on YouTube. So, you know, you feel free to go check that out. But if we make any reference to questions coming in or Derek telling people to hit the like button, it's because we are talking to people on YouTube. Um, and if you if you aren't already subscribed, make sure to check that out. It's WWL Sports over on YouTube. But yeah, so let's move on to the other big thing that happened today, which was Michael Thomas getting into team drills. And I actually asked Dennis about this yesterday and I asked him, Hey, what, what are some of the benchmarks or hurdles? You know, how close are some of these guys to getting back in the team drills talking specifically about Pete Werner and Michael Thomas. And he kind of gave a vague, you know, nondescript answer um, that made it sound like they weren't going to be in team drills today. <laughs> uh, but, and then he said, were. Jeff's, Jeff's Jeff asked this yesterday. What are we doing guys? I, you know, I, I don't think that he makes his decisions based on me, but I do wonder <laughs> if I like lit a fire. I don't, I, but I think what more likely happened is they had planned to be inside for this practice. They knew that it was going to be closed. It was not going to be padded. And this was probably the target for, you know, okay, we can get these guys into team drills and make sure everything is up. It, it goes well. If it doesn't, no one's around to see it. Um, but he got into team drills. He looked good. He looked like Michael Thomas. That's what, 
I've been talking to Nick Underhill at practice a lot, and the comment that comes up most mostly from him is, hey, that looks like Michael Thomas. <laughs> and right. that's a good thing. Because uh, that's what I've been wondering is, you know, how much is this Michael Thomas going to look like the Michael Thomas that, that destroyed NFL records two seasons ago? Um, and Chris Browts, yeah. the, the, the ankles looking good. Uh, that's been obviously the main thing I've been looking at for, for this time. We've seen him in practice and have been, and been anxiously waiting for him to start participating in some more uh, periods. And, yeah, getting to see him in the seven-on-seven seven today was fantastic. So he was in the seven on sevens. We still have a little ways to go. He was not in the one-on-one reps and he was not in the 11 on 11 reps, Um, but baby steps. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And I think once you get, once you kind of go from routes against air to routes against people, the rest will come quickly. I don't think that it will take very long to get into those 11 on 11 reps. I do think we're going to be waiting a while to see him in the one-on-ones because I think those are, those are the reps where you get really intense uh, and I'm not sure, but, but we did see him running some end zone routes against Andy Dalton today. So there's a one-on-one. <laughs> did you catch yeah. that? Did you see that? Yes. That, that was, um, I was interested to see if we we're going to end up having uh, Dalton getting some corner or safety love today. Yeah. Andy Dalton clamps with a Z. <laughs> no, he was, uh, he, he, I don't think he has a future as a, as a defensive back, but no, you know, he I seemed think pretty disinterested in it, but it was doing it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, you, you probably would have just been as well served with a traffic cone. But, you know, either way, I think the idea of getting routes against people is important. And it's nice to see him progressing there, right? The only thing that we don't want to see is him backtracking. Is him. So if he starts in team drills, so all of a sudden he's not. If he's missing days of practice he wasn't out there on saturday i know that bummed a lot of the fans out it was a planned that planned day off so you know there this is a process like i like i said the the ramp up the ramp up is real um but so here's da here's a little more from da on uh what he's seen from michael thomas and what he thinks about michael thomas's progression thus far it's awesome it was awesome um seeing him you know get a few routes um you know actually actually go up against a defender um, I thought he looked good in, in the plays that he got. I was excited about seeing that. Um, and I think it's another step in the right direction. I think we want to continue to ramp him up. There's a process that this goes through. Um, and at some point before we get to the you know regular season, um, we're going to see him in full speed team activities. Um, we have a plan for how that's going to go. Obviously, we have to monitor how he's feeling as we go through that plan, but um, I feel good about where he's at and the progress that he's made. Can our buzzword for training camp be ramp up? And anytime it's said, we can, we have to take a drink. I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> we'll we'll be drunk very fast. No, but it, it's we can keep going back to it. You know, the Saints brought in Matt Ray. They fired longtime, uh, you know, training whatever his title was, strength and conditioning coach. Dan Dalrymple, and this is a team that started an NFL record 58 players last year. I feel like I've said that so many times, it's lost all meaning, but that's not acceptable. You cannot look at that and watch a season go that way and then be like, yeah, we're not going to make any changes. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to strongly consider changing everything we do from a training perspective. And, you know, one of the interesting things um, that has changed with DAS head coach, I know we've mentioned before, all of the post-practice interviews are inside. They're in the, they're in the training facility inside. And it, what it's allowed us to kind of see is a lot of the, the post-practice, like, training work that these guys are doing. And the, there's a lot of really interesting exercises going on in there. And I don't remember seeing that in that form in how they're kind of, you know, working after practice. I mean, I'm sure they had been doing that, but it's interesting to kind of see it in action because we know there's so much of it. And we also need, you need to remember. So like guys aren't out at practice, right? They're still working. Yeah. With what we don't see uh, behind the scenes, obviously we're not seeing just because it's not happening on the field. Doesn't mean there's not work being put in. What's what's also uh, been amusing is seeing the amount of uh, family brought into and in an indoor facility afterwards, yeah. Uh, very open environment, friendly, a bunch of kids running around. Hopefully they don't get on our 
podium audio. That's all I care about. But yeah, it's uh, just a, di- a different feeling, a different a different coach. So yeah, there, there's a lot of things that um, Dennis Allen is much different a personality than Sean Payton. And I think uh, even PJ Williams uh, mentioned it the other day that Dennis Allen was a lot harder on him as a defensive coordinator. And he feels like he's kind of uh, take, gotten a lot more lax, but that's because he's got so much more on his plate as the head coach. Yeah. Uh, you said the podium there. Marquez Calloway calls it the stand. Uh, one, one funny thing that's been going on is Marquez Calloway, Traquan Smith, who Traquan Smith I, has been having a very good camp. I just have to say that. And Deontay Harris, Deontay Hardy, sorry. They've all been watching each other's interviews and like asking questions. And yesterday, Marquez was like, uh, Deontay, while we have you on the stand, uh, yeah. can I ask? He's like, this isn't, I'm not on the stand. And he's like, whatever. It was like, it was like, it was like he thought he was under oath. It was very funny. But yeah. And so we have a question here that, that I think is a good segue into kind of the closing part here. So how has Jarvis Landry been looking? Uh, Jarvis got a, got a, a veteran day today. So did Ryan Ramchek. Um, I think there may have been one or two others. Uh, but so well, before we get into Jarvis, the other guys we didn't see today, Taysom Hill, as we mentioned, he's been out. With that rib, right? Dylan Mabin, which was the first day we haven't seen him, his defensive back. Smoke Monday, um, who Dennis Allen confirmed, suffered a significant knee injury. Um, significant knee injury is usually code for something ACL, MCL related. And it's it's very often going to be a season-long thing. So, you know, best wishes to Smoke. Hopefully he gets better. Um, it's, a, it's a bummer that, you know, if he's unable to get back, if it is a significant knee injury and he ends up going maybe on IR, but hopefully he can stick around and they can bring him back uh, one way or the other because I thought he was having a pretty solid camp. I don't know if he's going to make the roster, but uh, he's a fun guy to watch. The two others, obviously, Peyton Turner, we mentioned, wasn't out there. And the other guy, Lucas Krull. This was the first day he had missed. He's a guy who I feel like has been trending the wrong direction, unfortunately. You know, he he's he's got all the you know, the physical attributes in the world. I think there's been some technical execution issues and, you know, uh, he's been, he's been, he's caught the ire of a few assistant coaches in drills for, for one reason or another. So, you know, I'm not, not saying he doesn't have a chance to make the roster, but I'm just saying what I've been seeing is he hasn't been standing out to me. Um, but yeah, the, those are the guys who weren't there. As far as Jarvis, I think Jarvis has looked every bit like Jarvis Landry, every bit of what I expected. We saw his crazy cupping uh, post-practice routine going on, which seems intense. Uh, I don't, I, I've never had that procedure done, but it seemed like a lot. Um, and, but otherwise, I mean, he's definitely just, looks painful. Yeah. He's just a professional. I'm going to get open and catch the ball kind of guy. He doesn't, he's not an insane athlete. He's not, you know, exceptionally fast. He's just, you know, a very violent route runner. And he went down uh, on Monday when right. during the first set of one one v ones we'd seen the like the first rep he kind of got taken up with Paulson Adebo and went down and was limping around and I was like oh no right and you're holding your breath on practice. that and he ran a route against Bradley Roby and I was like watching very closely because like oh maybe maybe you'll see you know he's maybe a little slow I mean you know he never got going very fast but he was somehow able to create like six yards of separation uh, so that's that's the type of guy and for a team that had to deal with last year no one being able to get open. You know, you now have in Michael Thomas, assuming they're healthy and Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, two of the premier, you know, route running, just get open at all costs receivers in the NFL. And that's only going to, that's only going to be helpful to Jameis Winston. Yeah. And obviously to Landry, mighty Olave, that, that three, that trio, I'm sure. We haven't come up with a good nickname for him yet, but th- th- there's got to be something for these guys. Uh, I just think that if you look across the NFL, it's really hard to come across another uh, three wide receivers that are better or are on that same par with the in the NFL. Again, it's if, if they're healthy, yeah, yes. If they're healthy, there's no question. Um, the guy who I was expecting more out of, I I'll say, was Marquez Callaway. He's just he struggles to get open, you know, and he makes some spectacular catches. I was talking to I was talking to uh, Mike Triplett about this. You know, he's really he makes spectacular catches. But part of the reason he makes spectacular catches 
is because he has to make spectacular catches. Not because really he, getting that separation. He's not getting separation, you know, and, and you know, maybe as you get into the into into deeper into camp and you know, we'll we'll see a little bit more. Um, but I was expecting I was expecting him to stand out. And to this point, you know, I think he's still safe on the roster. I think he's going to be an important special teams guy. But to me, Traquan Smith has stood out. If I had to if I had to rate the receivers kind of you have obviously the top three. You have MT, Jarvis, and Olave. And then, you know, in terms of a deep threat, you know, Deontay is always going to stand out. But I think Traquan's been right up there with him. He had a couple of really, really nice over-the-top catches today in 1v1s. And we talked to him and he said, you know, his biggest goal, his biggest goal for this offseason, this training camp, stay healthy. That's his yeah. biggest knock. And the fact that when he has been healthy too, there's times in games he just – He's been inconsistent where he's had those some pretty impressive games, but then a lot of time he's getting one, two receptions, and that, that's not going to cut it, though. It will not. But okay, let's hit the break. Again, make sure to mash that subscribe button if you're wherever you're listening. If you're on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment. And if you're on YouTube, make sure to go find it and subscribe anyway, because why not? Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to hit you with the underrated, the under-the-radar player that we think is going to make the roster. And we also have some people asking about the RP3 competition. We can hit on that. And uh, I wanted to talk about James's deep ball. So we're going to get that. Coming at oh, you after the break. And we are back here on Inside Black and Gold, the best podcast. That's our tagline. We're covering the Saints. We're giving you an inside pass into Saints training camp, into everything that's going on in the 2022 season. Steve Geller is with me. He's the sideline reporter. I am Jeff Nowak, the digital sports producer for WWL. I am up in the press box. He's down on the field. But for now, we're going to talk about the player that is under the radar. You see what I did there? You see that? Oh. That's good, right? That's good. Uh, we're going to talk about the player that is under the radar, the player that no one's really talking about who we think is a really strong bet to make the roster. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of fringe roster battles, but this is someone who, you know, didn't make the roster last year, was not on the roster last year. That's the caveat. And we're going to put like our stamp on them that this is a, this is someone who's going to be on the team this year. Um, so let's start with you, Steve. Who is that player for you? For me, ain't no doubt about it. I love the signing when the, the Saints brought him on board. Uh, defensive tackle, Kentavia Street, uh, 26 years old guy, uh, guy coming off a career best year with three sacks, uh, seven pressures, six tackles for loss. Uh, a guy, a guy that has a history with Ryan Nielsen, who actually was recruiting him to NC State at the time when uh, Nielsen was over there. And yes, Street mentioned that he he's known uh, Coach Nielsen since he was 15 years old. Yeah, uh, which is really impressive. Obviously played for him over there and, and now has a chance to once again be reunited with Nielsen here on the Saints. Uh, a guy that I think is is really important for this D-line, uh, good with leverage, strength, uh, uh, very explosive, uh, off the snap. And, you know, we, we saw some of the guys like uh, uh, David Onyemata kind of struggle coming back from his suspension last season. And with the addition of Street to this uh, rotation along the D-line, I just think it's uh, uh, big things to come for him and even better for, the, for that defensive line, being able, being able to put the, provide that push up front along with stopping the run. And I think that's, that's a really good pick. Uh, and I think when I put out my initial roster projection before training camp, I did have him on it. And a big part of the reason why was, you know, he's a Ryan Nielsen guy. Yeah. Um, I think that to some extent, when you're making those final roster decisions, a lot of times it'll come down to, okay, who's your guy? Okay, who do you want to keep around? Uh, and I have, a, I have a suspicion that his guy would be Contavious Street. And I think there's good reason for that. You know, he's, he's, he's an interesting build. If we saw him close up for the first time yesterday, he's got giant legs. You know, he's, he's got this like kind of really kind of short torso, but just massive like tree trunk legs. And uh, it's like, I imagine, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a professional scout for defensive line talent, but I think that's probably what you look for in the defensive tackle that kind of, you know, stocky low to the ground, but really good base, really low center of gravity. 
And we saw what he could do um, a couple years ago when he uh, used that that gravity against Drew Brees' ribs. Yeah, that, that, that's the one uh, knock on him, I guess. The guy that ended up uh, crushing Drew Brees and, and knocking his ribs. Yeah, but hey, it was he was good in that. I mean, he, he got through. He, he got flagged. He didn't. He shouldn't have gotten flagged. He just he just hit Brees so hard that the refs were like, "That's not fair. That can't be fair." Poor Drew. He's too old for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy, the interesting thing to me when we talked to him, uh, he was asked if anyone in particular stood out. Yeah. And he, he said Caesar Ruiz. Now, if you Everyone recall, did a double take. <laughs> Caesar Ruiz is the guy he beat <laughs> to go after Drew on that play. But, you know, I do think that a lot of guys are singing the praises of Cesar Ruiz. And we kind of heard this last year, so you don't want to get too worked up about it. But I do think there is merit to, you know, he's working a lot more with Jari Evans, who is a coaching intern on the Saints. And when I asked him, when I asked Cesar about Jari, he, because he kind of lit up. Uh, and I think that, you know, Zach Streif is an excellent coach. Zach Streif played tackle, you know, and so there's a lot of these really minor, like small elements that, also you know, the influence of Doug Marone too this year. Right. And and I just think that having a guy like Jari who can kind of just impart wisdom in ways that, you know, very few people can and can explain it well is going to be big for him. So I think that, you know, one person on Twitter was like, you know, if this wasn't from the new guy, I might take it seriously. And I was like, that's fair. That's fair. But you can flip that and say, this guy doesn't know any. Like he he is coming in fresh. All he knows is what he's been going against. And that means that Caesar has stood out to him. So, you know, take that for what it is. I'm a guy who likes to look on the positive in these situations. And, you know, maybe this is the year that things kind of flip for Caesar and uh, Kentavious is right in that regard. Well, well, backing up what Kentavious said to Caesar Ruiz today, I mean, uh, Andrews Pete today said that he thought that Ruiz has made the biggest improvement out of anybody. So that, right, that's right. another. That's, com- that's again coming from another teammate, obviously. But uh, to me, that's obviously a huge positive. And yeah, he's still a young player. So why wouldn't this kid be able to up his game? Well, I mean, I thought it was funny the other day when when you tweeted that. It's like a lot of people are so negative, thinking that this is going to be the same player from a year ago, even. And nothing drives me more nuts than talking about a young player and like, oh, well, he was bad as a rookie, so he's his career is over. No, that's not how it works. If that was how it worked, then we wouldn't have these practices. And I wouldn't be standing out in the sun in the middle of August. But yeah, we're not we're do. not saying Ruiz is all of a sudden to become a pro bowler, but yeah, you, you're seeing some improvement now. Yeah, and I think the issue for me is we heard the same things last year, and last year was a struggle. But I will say that he ended up having to play center early in the year. That I think that might have thrown him off a little bit. And you know, and he's he's healthy. I'll give him like that's that's a skill in and of itself, considering what we've had to deal with uh, from a health perspective. He played in all 17 games. But okay, we weren't even talking about Caesar Ruiz. Steve's pick for the under the radar player that he thinks is definitely going to make this roster is Kentavious Street, and I think that's a good pick. Now, my pick. <laughs> I think his case is even stronger now uh, due to some unfortunate news. And that's going to be Justin Evans at safety. You know, this is a guy who is no, by no means signed with a guarantee. He's on a one-year deal. He was, he didn't play a snap last year. He was a former second round pick of the bucks. He hasn't um, played the last two seasons, right? Give or take. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what he was doing two years ago, but I know he's been dealing with injuries and he's a guy who stood out to me. I think that, He's going to be valuable depth, especially now with Smoke Monday um, hurt. You know, they might bring in more competition there. But I think that Justin is a guy who he's been moving around. The Saints love to move guys around. He can play free. He can play strong. He can play the nickel. And he's just going to be another guy in the mold of a P.J. Williams. And I don't think you can ever have too many of those guys. Yeah, Well, you can have too many of those guys, but... You know, there's some, there's enough roster spots to go that I think that he's going to be safely in there because he does what he does is so valuable. And we've seen him uh, pass breakups. Uh, one of the few guys, I don't know how many camp interceptions with the tallies at, but I do know that he's he has one. one. Yep. Right, exactly. He undercut a throw. I think it was Ian Book to Kevin White. It was a nice play. And he's he had a couple pass breakups uh, last week. I can't remember what practice it was. It might have been Friday. Your favorite um, quarterback, Ian Book? <laughs> guys 
I don't want to be mean to Ian Book, so I'm just going to stop talking about him. That's kind of how I'm going to approach this, is I'm not going to talk about Ian Book anymore because I just don't have anything, any positive things to say. I like Ian Book. I think he's, uh, uh, I mean, fine. He's not, I don't think he's going to make the roster, guys. He, he just doesn't, he just doesn't do enough. Um, Definitely but, holding the ball all too, way too long. Yeah, his- every, I, I made this comment today. I can't remember who I was talking to, but it's like every Ian Book rep feels like it's taking at least one second too long. He scrambles all the time and practices where he can't get hit. It's just not, it's not a good look. And, you know, I think he's probably going to be on the practice squad. The, the thing you can say is they'll probably be able to stash him on the practice squad because I don't think he's done anything that's going to get him claimed on waivers. But, you know, uh, I'm just going to stop talking about Ian Book because I feel bad talking about him this much because I just can't ever find anything, anything positive to say. So we're going we're gonna to move on from there. Uh, Austin brings up Bryce Thompson. I like Bryce Thompson too. Um, I think that he's a guy who could stick around. But there's a lot of questions there. You know, I think he does a lot of the same things as Justin. And, you know, I think there's, there's going to be spots to be had at, you know, that kind of special teams uh, depth safety position. And uh, we'll just have to take it from there. But what did you think, Steve? What have you, have you had any good impression from Bryce Thompson? Yeah. And I know he, uh, he's definitely one that was uh, putting on a lot of good, doing a lot of good things in OTAs and minicamp as well missed a day or two right because of an injury and just just got back so uh it was heat it was a heat thing okay he related for him yeah and yeah like you mentioned there's going to be another opportunity with smoke monday down it's not like you you mentioned as well that it's not looking like we're going to see him anytime soon with that quote-unquote serious knee injury but yeah exact words were significant knee injury and that's right it's not a that's usually not code for coming back soon but yeah what you know too uh when we're going through these practices bryce thompson's one of those that usually has been a consistent name in the notebook that you write down yeah um although that was true throughout minicamp i don't think he's flashed as much in camp and training camp so far and i think he's been replacing a lot of these reps by by justin so keep that keep that in mind i just think that justin evans is a guy who he has the pedigree he has the skill set and i think he's going to stick around and he went to texas a&m <laughs> There you go. Which, Aggie, Aggie love. There's been a lot of Aggie love on this coaching staff recently. I can't hurt. Um, okay. Well, as I mentioned before, we're, we're going to get into two, two quick things and then we'll, we'll close out. But I did mention, I wanted to get into the Jameis Winston deep ball. And I have a, uh, a clip from Deontay Harris, who Hardy, Deontay Hardy, darn it. Deontay Hardy. Who, We're going to do fines for every time he you just, say Hardy this. I, he Harris. catches the easiest looking touchdowns that you'll ever see. You know, he'll just be 70 yards down the field and he never has anyone within eight yards of him. And when it's coming from Jameis, it just always looks like it just, he's, he's never, he's just running the exact same speed the entire way. And he just puts his hands up in front of him and the ball's in it. And then he keeps going. Like that's the thing of beauty for sure. When it just it, dropped it right is, in there. It is. And it's, it's a, he can run that route as well as anybody. But he's not a guy who can come back and win a jump. You know, he's not a guy who's going to outjump him, but he's 5'6". So you have to be able to, to lay the ball out in front of him and let him run under it. And something that Jameis does as well as anybody. We asked, we asked Deontay about that. Oh, yeah. No, we got in the huddle and Jameis knew he wanted to throw it. So he told me exactly what to do and just went out there and did it. I think I owed him one, too, because I dropped that one the other day. So I definitely owed him one. How good is Jameis at throwing a deep? Like, from guys you played with, how good is he with the deep? No, I never lose start with Jameis. So, I mean... I, I, I got uh, faith in his arm. I trust his arm, and he always accurate when it's downfield. So, good deep ball. I love when he said, too, I owed him one. Yeah, it, it's funny because it wasn't actually Jameis that threw that other one. It was Andy Dalton. Uh, it was, I think it was on the first or second day of practice. But, yeah, he was wide open. Uh, Andy laid it in there. He had the ball, and then Alante Taylor knocked it away, and he kind of chucked it downfield. But, yeah, so, and this, so this was the play that happened yesterday. It was around 50, 60 yards. It was actually against Justin Evans, my guy. Yeah, coming out of the slot, Justin was in the nickel. And, I mean, before you could even blink, Deontay was just to the post. And Amos, you know, say what you want about his, his, his short yardage accuracy, you know, and some of the decisions he might make. Outside of maybe a Pat Mahomes, maybe Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if there's a quarterback in the NFL that throws a better deep ball, a prettier deep ball, a more accurate deep ball than Jameis. And you really see it on those Deontay Harris touchdowns. And you remember, he's – Done it in games. He had a 50-something yeah. yarder against the Packers in week one last year. 
He had a 70-yarder against the, the the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders. You know, and so that, that those are game-changing type plays. Um, if you remember the one against Washington, he threw kind of a, a bad interception in that game. And then the next drive came back, all of a sudden, over-the-top Deontay touchdown. That was a, that was an ugly start to a game that, you know, now you look back and you're like, wow, the Saints kind of dominated that game. He also had a Hail Mary in that game to uh, Marquez Callaway. He just, he's just, it's one of his best skills. Um, and I hope the Saints take full advantage of it. Yeah. And with Hardy, he's one guy that I would worry about his touches on the offense this year, just because of the increase in talent on the wide receiving core. You know, we talked about, uh, I mentioned, I was, I'm thinking Troutman's going to have a breakout year and not worried about uh, if his touches are going to be there kind of thing. But for me, there's just so many, so many guys at the wide receiver position i think hardy's really gonna make his mark and where he was an all pro as a rookie in the return game and he even mentioned that i, I gotta score more I, I gotta score more this season because he didn't have a return at all a year ago and he's just one of those guys though that anytime he does feel the ball you 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 feel like the stadium kind of takes that that hold hold your breath kind of approach and you're just waiting to see what he can do because he's got that ability to be gone. Yeah, I think the the Seahawks game comes to mind yes. in his uh, rookie season. But he's also in a contract year, and that year. So when you when he says I want, I need to score more. You know, I think that's a big part of it because you need the Bucks more too, right? He, he needs to prove that he is more than just a returner, and I think he is. I think he is limited in what he can do over the middle of the field, as you will always be as a five six guy in the NFL. But yeah, I think he is more than just a kick returner. Um, the question is whether the Saints are willing to pay him like he's more than just a kick returner. And I would wager they they would rather not. I think that's why you have a, a Rashid Shahid on the roster. But um, we haven't seen him yet. So I was going to say, it's tough when you haven't even seen him do anything yet. One last thing before we go, we have Derek L. And how is the RB3 competition going? And this is a good question. This is a good question. Yeah. So I right now at this point would put, so you have Tony Jones, Devine Zigbo, Malcolm Brown, and Abram Smith. I would, you know, he's had some rough moments. He's come, he's had a couple kind of bounce back days, but I would still put Tony Jones at fourth. If I'm ranking these, I would put Malcolm Brown ahead of him. And then I'm going to put Abram Smith and Divina Zigbo kind of, kind of head to head and head, because I just think that the receiving acumen of divine is, is attractive. He's only 25. He's the biggest running back they have. Um, and I think he makes a lot of sense, but I also think the upside of Abram Smith makes it really tough to cut him. So that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch in the preseason games, you know, because of all the positions where you can really kind of win a job, right? You know, if you're covering a lot of, it's going to come down to whether you're targeted, whether, whether, whether the ball comes your way, you know, when you're running back, you're going to get the ball and you're going to get a chance to show what you can do. And um, I think I think that's where we're going to learn a lot about this competition. Yeah, I don't think I've really seen that much separation for that RB3 spot yet. Obviously, when you see Alvin Kamara out there, it is amazing. He looks like the Alvin Kamara you would expect. Uh, not worried about anything with his court case, a looming suspension. Uh, the skill is uh, clear. He looks healthy. Marking him behind him, too, is even, I felt, looked a little rejuvenated this season. It is early. Uh, on right now but that third spot I I have between all the guys and even uh, throwing a Dwayne Washington just haven't seen that much separation for that third spot yet because every every offseason he kind of he kind of fools me into thinking well maybe he's just gonna be a guy that's that's productive but then they don't use him in the run game so I I kind of like I do think he's on the roster but I still don't I don't look at him as the RB3 you know right, I I understand the running that, back. Right. kind of the same way JT Gray is a safety, um, but not really. Like he's not. He, he, you're not expecting him to go out there and play safety reps, right? You can use him in a pinch kind of thing, but he's, you're not wheeling him out there on a daily basis. Yeah. So I, I still, I, I kind of keep him independent the same way I keep Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram independent. Obviously, they're at the top of the list. We're not talking about that. Yeah, and I, I guess if out of all of them right now, the Tony Jones Jr. has uh, a, a, maybe a little bit of an edge, but that receiving his receiving ability has to improve and I just don't know if that's something you can fix with reps uh, over time you know what I mean I'm you can you can become a better 
receiver, but I, I just feel like those tendencies uh, always you send, you always tend to revert back to your, your original tendencies there. And I think what's working against Tony is we already know too much about Tony. You know, like it, it's the, the one of the reasons Abram Smith has a lot of upside is because he has upside and you know that it exists. You don't know what it can be, but you know it's there and you haven't gotten a chance to see it in action. We have seen Tony in action. And he, he for all intents and purposes, did not, you know, perform at the level you would have hoped. So that's working against him, right? The familiarity. It's like when you, you have a draft pick. You, your draft pick is worth a lot more when it's a first-round pick than it is when you're, you know, when it's Trevor Penning, right? Like if I'm trying to trade a pick, you, you, you trade it based on the mystery of what it might be, and it has more value. Once it's a person, once you know what it is, then, it, then it's tough. Okay, one, one last thing from Austin. Dwayne Washington has rushed for 100-plus yards in an NFL game. He has. This is true. Don't say it. Don't say it was meaningless. It was a meaningless game. No. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater started. The Saints lost like 34 to 12. So, yeah. Uh, Ty Montgomery also had a 100-yard rushing game against the Panthers. He's not on the roster anymore either. But that's it. That's it. He, it's true. You know, we're going to go to where, He's going to go to his grave knowing that he wants rushed for 100 yards in an NFL game. How many people in the world can say that? I like Dwayne Washington. I just don't think that he's going to be in the run game. <laughs> but that's it. That's all we're going to have today. This, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You've been listening to Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to mash that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Tell my dog to stop barking downstairs. And we'll be back next week. Thanks to everyone who watched on YouTube. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll be trying to do this again. It's been a lot of fun. Talk to you soon, Saints fans. Saints fans.